Church, as I was thinking about this first Sunday in Advent in the year 2020, I was thinking about the fact that Advent is about God's incarnation, right? God becoming flesh. Uh, God kind of showing up for his people when they needed it most. And here in 2020, I just loved that thought of God showing up when his people need him the most. Our God is a God who shows up. And becoming flesh, becoming a man for us is the ultimate form of just showing up for his people when they needed it. But God's been doing that forever. From creation all the way through all the stories in the Old Testament, times where, pe- where God showed up to people when they needed him most, and then they wrote it down. That's what the Bible is. It's stories of times where God showed up. And then in Christ, he showed up in a profound way. He became flesh for us so we could see him, so we could meet him, so we could break down those barriers and just let us connect with him. So, so Christ is the ultimate form of God showing up in the flesh, incarnate, incarnate. And um, Jesus showed up for people too, right? God in human form, Jesus. Jesus showed up for people who were sick. He showed up for people who were lost and abandoned. He showed up for people who were marginalized. He showed up to answer questions. He showed up to care for children. <clears throat> Jesus wasn't too busy. He wasn't too tired. Jesus didn't take the easy way out, ever. He just showed up for people. What a great example in the flesh of what God is in his character for all time. And if we're going to say that we're apprentices to Jesus, and Jesus is the kind of master craftsman that shows up, then that means we got to show up too. We've got to show up. You know, Jesus, the craftsman, Jesus does house calls. He takes his tools and he goes to people where they're at and he fixes their junk. That's what he does. He steps in, in the flesh incarnate. So if we're going to be apprenticed to him, Christians have got to do house calls. You can't have all your nice tools all shiny sitting in the workshop doing nothing. And we can't just build our own little projects that amuse us in our own home, in our own lives. Like, oh, I'm just working on my own faith. These tools are meant to be used to bless others, to bring others to a saving faith in God. So Christians have to do house calls. We have to show up for the world. And in times where it's tough, we want to like protect a lot of times. We want to step back. We want to defend. We want to pray for God's, you know, preservation, which is part of it. But our tools are not just defensive tools. They're proactive tools, especially the word of God, you know, the sword of the spirit, you know, feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel. We're meant to go. We're meant to be workers. We're meant to do house calls. We're meant to be like Jesus. We're meant to be like God. So I thought for this first Sunday in Advent, I'd just like to think about that concept of us just showing up for the people in our world that uh, God makes us aware of. And whether they're in Uganda, we become aware of them through uh, Sandy Gannon, whether they're our next door neighbor, we become aware of their needs through talking over the bushes in our backyard. We need to show up the same way that Jesus does, the same way that God did. So I thought the best way to just start this conversation before you read just a little bit from the book of Philippians to drive home what that showing up kind of means is just to think for a moment or two of all the times that God showed up, where the Bible records him showing up for people when they needed it most. So he showed up for Adam and Eve, right? He showed up and gave them life. He walked with them in the garden. When they sinned, when they rebelled against him, he showed up and in justice and mercy, he spared them, but he cast them out, but he still loved them. He set in plan. Like God showed up for Adam and Eve. God showed up for Noah. He spoke to him. He, he closed the door on the ark. He protected him. He brought the animals. Like God showed up for Noah when he needed it most. 
God showed up for Abraham. He chose me. He said, follow me. We're going to this other land. I'm going to make your descendants a nation. And I'm going to bless all the nations through you. God showed up for Abraham. The angels that God sent to tell Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarai that they would have a boy that would become their, their genealogy, their lineage. God showed up. God showed up for Jacob and the angels, the vision he had of that future. God showed up in this angel wrestling with Jacob. God showed up and renamed Jacob into Israel and all his sons. God showed up in the form of Joseph. Not the form of Joseph. He showed up for Joseph in the form of delivering him into Egypt and then giving him this favor so he rose to power. God showed up there. He spoke to him. God showed up to Moses in the burning bush and said, you're going to lead my people out. God showed up when they needed it most. God showed up when they hit the Red Sea and they couldn't get through and the waters parted. God showed up on Mount Sinai and gave his clear depiction of right and wrong, what he thinks about things, how we can follow him, what he'll honor, what he'll be set against, what his face will be set against. Like Just follow him, seek his holiness, be perfect as your father is perfect. He showed up there. He showed up in the tabernacle, in the tent of meeting. He showed up in the temple. He showed up in the glory cloud that they followed through the wilderness. He showed up in the form of manna and uh, water that he delivered and he gave to them and quail. Like God showed up and answered prayers all throughout. And this is what the Bible is. It's stories of times where God showed up. When God physically appeared to people in the Old Testament, there's a great Greek word that is used to describe this. It's called a theophany. Theo being, you know, the name for God, the word for God, and uh, theophany being seeing with our eyes God, seeing God, an appearance of God. And this is what the Old Testament and the New Testament essentially are. They're records of theophanies. And whether it's an angel appearing to people and speaking on behalf of God, you know, fast forward through all the times that God showed up for the judges, all the times that God showed up as the Israelites were taking over the promised land, all the deliverances like Battle of Jericho, all the specific times that angels appeared to people in dreams, all the specific times that God spoke. Think about Moses, you know, in the cleft of the rock and God passing by. God showed up to help Moses in his time of need. Think of Elijah. God showed up and said, go and talk to Ahab. And then he, 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 there was no rain for three years. And then he runs. He showed up on Mount Carmel to show there is a God. And it's not this fake God. It's Yahweh. And he showed up for Elijah in the cleft of his own mountain experience, his own mountaintop experience with God. God just continually does this. He does it for Saul, for David, for Solomon. He did it for the kings, all the prophets. Think of Daniel. God showed up for Daniel. Showed up in the lion's den, deliverance in that situation. Showed up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The angel in the fire, theophany. God appears in many different ways. This is uh, uh, I can't think of the reference right now. I think it's in Hebrews, but uh, it says, we'll have to look it up together. Uh, it says, uh, at many different times, God spoke through his prophets, but in the most recent times, he has spoken to us through his son, like the full representation of who and what God is. So Jesus is this, this full picture of God in human form. And God showed up to Mary and showed up to Joseph through the voice of Gabriel, you know, the angel speaking, saying this is what's going to happen. He showed up for Mary when she became pregnant, even though she was a virgin. And then he entered into this world in the flesh. And that word is incarnation. The incarnation of God. God becoming flesh. So you have all these moments of God showing up. It's what he does. It's his nature. And we have these theophanies where he literally visibly appears in some manner. And then we have this full incarnation 
of God in the flesh. And Jesus shows up for people. He shows up all the way through the cross, through the resurrection. He shows up after his death for 40 days, teaches them more about the kingdom. He shows up for us today when we pray. God answers our prayer. We hear the voice of God in our mind. That's God showing up for us. And while we might not write it down and continue to add to the pages of Scripture this way, those are the real moments where God shows that He's the same God that He's always been. He's the God of creation. He's the God of intervention. He's the God of theophany. And He's the God of incarnation. And His Son, Jesus, shows up for the people in this world. He does house calls. We're meant to show up. We're meant to be in the flesh for a reason. We're here for purpose. So I'd like to read from Philippians some passages from 2 and into 3 a little bit. Actually, 1 into 2. Just to think about how Paul saw his role as being in the flesh still. How he apprenticed himself to Christ and what it meant and what he taught. And so for us, what we can learn, how we're meant to be in the flesh. We're meant to be in the world for a purpose. We're not meant to have all these skills and tools that we don't use. We're meant to have open eyes to look around us and say, where are the needs? And then to just show up. And not to depend upon our wisdom or our skill or how much education and whatever. A lot of times it's not going to be based upon how great we are. It's just going to be based upon the fact that we followed Jesus. We obeyed his call to just show up for someone. And in our ignorance and in our fumbling ways and in our lack of education and in our lack of uh, even knowing what to do or say, God will show up. God shows up. This season of Advent is the perfect time to anticipate that, to pray for it in this year 2020, to anticipate and look forward to God showing up for us whenever we need it the most. So Philippians 1, 21, Paul is writing what his experience is of being in the flesh, incarnate. Paul writes in uh, yeah, chapter 1, Philippians verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul says, for me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. It's better to die. Like, I'm not afraid of dying. That's what Paul's writing. That's what I feel. I'm not afraid of dying. If we die, it's great. We're going to be with God. And God will care for our families and members and people around like that we are involved with because he's the one that cares for us all. So there's a temporary separation, and then we rejoin each other in glory. Like, this... Death is not a scary thing to Paul, but he recognizes he's not there yet. So what is he here for? He's here to be in the flesh. He's here to live it out. He's here to show up for the people, specifically the Gentiles that don't know about God. So let him continue here in verse 22. He says, if I am to live in the flesh, if I'm going to be incarnate, if I'm going to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. He wants to work. He wants to get his tools out. He wants to get something done. It's going to be fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? Ah, I can't tell, he says. I'm hard-pressed between the two. Ah, fruitful labor here, but glory and peace from God in his presence. He says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ. It's okay to want this crazy world and life to be done, to want to be with Christ. Paul wanted that. My desire is for that. For that is far better. Trust me, heaven is far better than this messy place called earth. But, verse 24, to remain incarnate in the flesh is more necessary on your account. See, Paul knows where he stands with God. He's confident. He's looking forward to that day. He's like, bring me to glory. Hurry up. <laughs> Let's go. But it's more necessary for others that I stay. There's fruitful labor that can be done here. I've got a lot of tools. Paul worked hard 
to show people God's love, to, to introduce them to Christ, to connect them personally to God. Verse 24, to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. He's got confidence. He's going to stay in this life for a while longer. And I will continue with you all for your progress and your joy in your faith so that you, no, sorry, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And we're going to get some work done here. We're going to, we're going to be together and we're going to bring more glory to God. Fruitful labor together. Verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That means that God doesn't hold people's sins against them. He calls them to repentance and to join him and that Jesus forgives and that the Holy Spirit gives life, right? The gospel, let our lives show that. Let's work that in the world so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in the spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. And that's from God, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, you know, apprentice yourself in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, Paul writes, and now that you hear that I still have. So being in the flesh is a struggle. And Jesus submitted himself to that, right? He submitted himself to that. This is later on in chapter two, we'll get there. But he recognized if we're going to be in the flesh, living in the flesh, it's going to be a struggle. So we submit to that struggle. Like, okay, let's fight this fight. We're going to be constantly tempted. Our flesh is going to constantly be weak, even though our spirit is willing. Like We're just going to rely upon Christ. He will be our joy. He will be our righteousness. He will carry us through. So he's saying, you know, it's been granted that for this sake, we would just get involved in the same struggle that Jesus is doing. We're going to join him in the work. And a lot of times work is hard. A lot of times, uh, you know, there's, there's blood, sweat, and tears that go into a project. And when we're engaged in a project, whether it be working on something deep-rooted within ourselves, whether it be struggling with someone in a really difficult area of their lives, whether it be a young person growing up and struggling to stay on track with God so that we can see ourselves walk into the future that He imagines for our kids, our youth, our teens, our college students, like, that's a struggle. And it's not a one-day thing, and it's not just, oh, here's a Bible verse, memorize this and it'll be good. No, we're working together with all the tools we have at our disposal, and we're going to show up. Parents, show up for your children. Adults, show up for the younger singles in our church, for the younger married couples that are trying to figure out things that you've already walked through. You may not know all the answers, but you've been similar places. Stand alongside, stand united in one spirit, having one mind, contending together. We're just doing it because when we're in the flesh, just like for Christ, it's going to be a struggle. But it's a good struggle, and it's for the sake of others, and that's why we're here. So if we continue on, chapter 2, verse 1 says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, is seeing how he does it, the, the victory he has as he does this incarnate thing, there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, any sympathy. Complete my joy, Paul says, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Each of you, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. 
Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Incarnation, God showed up. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So therefore, my beloved, you know, our people, apprentices, Christians, brothers, sisters, our people, our beloved, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is, we could say it's actually God. You know, insert the word actually there. For it is God. It's fear and trembling because it's actually God who's working in you, <clears throat> both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So do all things without grumbling or without questioning, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Let's read that again. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked <coughs> and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So you see Paul's understanding of incarnation? Christ put everything aside and showed up for people because they need it. He didn't just stay where it was convenient and comfortable. 80% of success in life is showing up. Jesus showed up. And so Paul recognizes it would be better for me to be done with this struggle. It's a struggle. It's a labor. But you know what? There's joy in this labor because there's more fruitful things that can be done. And it's good. It's better for others if I stay. Actually, better for him if he could just be done. It's not time to be done. That day will come soon enough. And then we have an eternity to be at rest and at peace. Right now, it's, it's the, the, the day of work. It's the day of labor. It's the day of harvest. And we are laborers in the harvest. So as we apprentice ourselves to Christ, we say, all right, Jesus, where are you at work in the world? Where are you going? Like, let's go together. What tools are you using? What's needed here? Is hope needed here? Well, then let's get our tools for hope and let's build hope. Let's craft hope. Let's support hope. Let's nourish hope. Let's plant hope. You know, let's believe hope in this place for these people. And let's show up. And let's not quit when it gets hard. Let's show up. Why? Because Jesus, that's what you do. You do house calls. You don't stay in your workshop polishing your tools. Your tools are, are beautifully worn from use, from building so many beautiful things. And he's the exact representation of a father of God who shows up, has always showed up. Church, in this incarnational season, please do not celebrate a God who shows up by sitting back. Do not celebrate a God who showed up for us as if we're meant to just be working in the workshop on our own little projects all the time. If we have Christ in us and the Holy Spirit, we're His. It's better to be done with this struggle. Why are we here? We're here for the purpose of others. Let us be incarnational.
And as we anticipate, you know, these four Sundays leading up to Christmas Sundays, the Advent season anticipation, let's be praying not only that God will continue to show up at just the right moment, just like they waited for just the right moment, but that we would see those perfect moments that we can show up, that we wouldn't miss them, that we'd gather up our tools, put them in the tool bag, and just go out and see what Christ will show us to do, what he'll show us to work on, and what he'll work on with us. So may God bless you as incarnational people. May you be doing some house calls this Christmas and Advent season. And may God show up for you in every way that you need because he knows what you need and he is a God who shows up. So take heart and have faith. God will show up and let's do our best to reflect him this Christmas season by showing up for those around us. God bless you.